looking at 1 Corinthians 3, since we'll be stand, sitting for a half hour or so, let's stand one more time in respect to the reading of the Word of God. Let's read in unison 1 Corinthians 3. I alluded to this passage this morning in part of the message here, but let's read verses 1 through 3 in unison, all right? I'll set the cadence and let's try to read, uh, pausing at the commas and the punctuation, of course. Here we go, ready? 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, reading together, ready? And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal? And walk as men. Now hold your place there. We'll come back to 1 Corinthians 3 and go over to Hebrews chapter 5, if you would. Hebrews chapter 5 tonight. Hebrews chapter 5. As you turn to Hebrews chapter 5, 1 Peter 2 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere, do you know the next word? Milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You're starting to notice a pattern, hopefully. Hebrews chapter 5. For time's sake, verse number 11, and let's read responsibly to the end of the chapter, all right? Hebrews, 11, uh, Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14. Ready? Here we go. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And may God express to the reading of his word, he may be seated tonight. We want to deal with the subject of, of milk, milk drinkers and meat eaters tonight. Milk drinkers and meat eaters. I have many things I'd like to say to you tonight, as the text said in Hebrews chapter 5. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, I've been pastoring for thir th 33 years. I'm announcing my retirement tonight here. I'm going to retire in 17 years from now. And uh, so that, that'll be here before we know it. Ask Wayne and Janet. That'll be here before I know it. Here. I'm, not, I'm hoping to go 60 years, but I'm saying at 77, I'll probably have to kick the bucket or uh, call it a day. And so I'm already announcing what I'm going to preach 17 years from tonight or thereabouts. Uh, my 50th, I want to preach a message entitled, now I want you to be here for it. It's 17 years from now, but I want you to be here for this. And I'm going to preach a message, something like this, the things I wanted to say as a pastor from the pulpit but never could say. That's the message I want to preach someday. I got a, I got a whole message already developed in my head for things that I'd like to say that I never have been able to say. Because there's the milk of the word, and then there's the strong meat of the word. And there's a famous line, some of you know I'm referring to. No, I've never seen the movie in its entirety, at least not the, the movie version of it. I've seen the television, some parts of the television version of it. I don't even know the gist of it. But there's that movie where the famous line, the guy says on the stand, you can't handle the truth. And I got some things I want to say to you, and I'm not trying to be mean or even trying to be funny here, but some of you can't handle the strong meat that I'd like to give tonight, so I won't give it to you. Uh, but I want to deal with this subject of milk drinkers and meat eaters and uh, in the moments that we have. There are at least five universal principles regarding 
milk drinkers, and uh, that's easily digestible doctrine in meat eaters. That's more mature doctrine. And principle number one, I'm going to go this rapid fire here because this is a way of introduction to the message. But what's the difference between a milk, spiritually speaking, a milk drinker and a meat eater according to the word of God? Well, number one, principle number one, and this is true in the, the physical nutritional sense, the literal sense between milk and meat. Milk is easily, uh, or milk is digestible doctrine for every true Christian. Milk is easily digestible doctrine for every true Christian. We'll look at some easily digestible doctrine or truths of teaching the Word of God in a minute. Principle number two, an all-milk diet, this is talking spiritually now, will eventually lead to stunted growth. Children need to drink milk and lots of it when they're little, but if they only drink milk continually, Ultimately, they will become weak and malnutritioned because they need meat. They need other, uh, they need proteins as well as uh, starches and sugars and carbs, as we know. And I'm no nutrition, nutritionist, but I know enough to know that we need a balanced diet. Principle number three, all, an all-meat diet, and I love meat. We went to the sugar, maple sugar, maple sugar. We went to the, what did we go to? Shady Maple, that's it. We went to the Shady Maple Smorgasbord. And I forget the salad bar. It's 200 feet long. You know, forget the desserts. I don't have, I got time for one thing and one thing only. I go straight for the meat counter. I go straight for the prime rib, straight for the meats, because that's, uh, life's too short to do otherwise. And so, so I did two helpings to the, to the meat, uh, because uh, I love meat. But an all-meat diet by itself is unhealthy. And uh, I think you know that. Number, principle number four, both milk and meat are essential to grow mature Christians. Principle number five, ultimately, both milk and meat should taste good to the believer. Now, I was on vacation, and I was with some friends, i.e. slash relatives, and I'll leave that now generic, and Sonny might identify where, which time we were a number of years ago. We went to... Uh, we were on vacation, and we went to some people that go to a deep meat church. And it was deep, deep church. Very, uh, uh, the pastor I know had an earned doctorate. The Sunday school teachers had master's degrees. I mean, it was, uh, and it was, it was good. It was strong meat. It was very mature. And uh, they had a very mature crowd. And, uh, but they only have a Sunday morning service. That's where they get their strong meat. And so we wanted to go to church on Sunday night because that's kind of what we, well, we kind of do that. So anyhow, so we, we said their church didn't have a church Sunday night. So we said, can we go to another church, go to a, a church? And, uh, and so I picked a church, and it happened to be a Baptist church, of course. And, uh, and uh, I said, let's go here Sunday night. And the preacher was an evangelistic preacher. If I were to name the name, a handful of you know who I'm talking about. A uh, fairly large church here in uh, the States and so forth. And, and anyhow, and he had a very dynamic, very... Uh, evangelistic message, and I remember walking out with our friends slash relatives, and, and uh, I enjoyed the service. The altar, there was a number of people at the altar at the end of the service and so forth, and, and uh, I said, how'd you like that? That was pretty good, wasn't it? And I said, yeah, yeah. And it was kind of just kind of smug, like, uh, well, that was just simple stuff. That was just milk stuff. We're used to strong meat. Well, I enjoyed their church, Sunday morning church. I enjoyed that strong meat, but I also enjoyed the milk. They were both good services. 
they both have learned, and, and a mature Christian learns to enjoy both the milk and the meat. And so, uh, if you've been saved for a good period of time tonight, let me make an application, and still can't handle meat in your diet, according to 1 Corinthians 3, you're a babe. You've got problems still. You can't handle the meat. You can't handle the truth. You're, in essence, you're immature. That's what 1 Corinthians and the entire book of 1 Corinthians is really a synopsis of, of Christians that never have grown up maturity-wise. They've been saved for a lot of years, but they're still on the, the milk of the word. They can't handle the strong meat of the word. If you're here and you get bored and you, maybe you're a veteran and you now you've digested, you know what good meat it tastes like. And uh, the mature doctrines of the faith are, you know many of them, and you know you even know the eschatology and uh, uh, harmatology, and you know your theology, and you know your Christology, and you know all the, all the intense studies of the personage of the Lord Jesus Christ and the, the deity of Christ, and on and on we could go. But you get tired of the milk preaching of the word of God, you've got a problem, you're out of balance. Because milk is still good for you. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15, 16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And they were the joy and joycing of my heart. And uh, uh, I love the word of God. We sing this song Sunday mornings. Sometimes we sing it in a while, but I love to tell the story. Tell me the old, old story. Do you still love to hear the story how Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, how he was buried and he rose again the third day? Do you still love the simple stories of the Word of God? I still love singing. I love to sing with my grandkids. Uh, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That never gets old. I still love to sing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I still like to sing those songs. I like to sing those more mature songs. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I'm off key. Now I'm off key, but anyhow... I like to sing those songs, but I like to sing the deep songs of the faith as well. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's love? And uh, many, many great songs. But you need to have a balance. And so rapid fire, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 tonight. And let me give you a, a quick tonight here. I want to give you a, the milk list in your grocery diet tonight. The milk list of things that you should never get tired of and you should always maintain veteran Christian in your diet. It's part of Christianity. Uh, I used to say I didn't, oh, 15, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, my earlier preaching, somehow I was taught, or I thought I was taught at least, that, that well, you don't tailor your preaching for the crowd. And uh, I got to thinking about that, and I says, well, yes, you do. You should. You tailor your preaching. You tailor your, if you have somebody coming over for your dinner, or for dinner, now, if I have my grandkids over for, for dinner, Jackson, I was with Jackson the other day, and we're going through the Kettle Kitchen Village, and he sees suckers. Listen, he doesn't want, I'm sorry, he doesn't want uh, something healthy for you, you know, like a, a boneless breast of chicken. He wants a sucker. That's what he wants. And Grandpa's made to please. That's what he's going to get him. He's going to get him a sucker. He's sleeping on me right now. He doesn't even know I'm talking about him right now. He has no clue, but I, I tailored my gift to what I knew he wanted. Well, you have somebody special over for dinner and you want to impress them or you want to, there's somebody of a ding, dignified, you want to 
Brother Wayne and Janet, hopefully they'll at least go out to eat. I don't think Brother Wayne is going to take his wife out to McDonald's. You better not, Brother Wayne. You're in trouble if you do. <laughs> take him out somewhere special because it's special. Well, we, we, but don't lose sight of the simple things. Look at the meat list real quickly here, and I have to hurry because I got a lot of material we want to get covered tonight. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 as soon as I find it. Hebrews chapter 6, rather. Where'd it go? Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to 14, we've already read, but look at verse number 6 here. It says, uh, uh, the milk list, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. Uh, there's, uh, don't have time to go into it, but type in the six principal Baptists. They started in over Rhode Island. There's still a handful of them around. There's still a small denomination in America, mostly in Rhode Island, of all things. There's a half a dozen churches that are six principal Baptists. And they take their six principles from here, right, this text right here before, before us here. Even the principles of the doctrines of Christ, so let's go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And so we have these simple principles, the principles of faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. Uh, the principles of the, the doctrine of, verse number two, the doctrine of baptisms. It's simple. I, was, uh, I had to do this again quickly for the third time. We were at the Mennonite Information Center, and, of course, the lady that was, uh, the, they're all Mennonites that work there. And so, uh, you know, we identified they saw our bus pull in, you know, Harvest Baptist Church, a going church for coming Lord. They're Anabaptist, and we, we got into a little theological discussion, but I had about 90 seconds to get into this theological discussion. She initiated it, and I asked her the question, you know, what makes the, what's the difference between Mennonites and and then Baptist, what would you say the main difference is? She said, she said, well, we're pacifists. That's what she told me. And uh, you guys, she didn't say, she, but she was nice about it, but she said, we, we like war. We're war, war, warmongers, and uh, they're pacifists. That's what she thought the difference was. But then I says, well, how about the doctrines? How about the major doctrines? You're all Trinitarians. Is that correct? Says, oh, yes. We believe everything that you believe almost across the board. And we're, we're all the brothers and sisters in Christ. And they, but then she got on baptism. And I didn't bring it up. I just initiated the, the question. And she said, well, uh, I said, now, do you all baptize by immersion? She says, well, I, I wasn't. And, so, and I'm just as baptized as much as you are. She wanted to let me know that. And uh, she said it kind of twice. And I, I didn't mean to offend her, but I think I offended her just a slightly little bit. Or maybe she, she just wanted to let me know that she was baptized uh, in the spirit. And I wanted to tell her, I didn't have time to argue with her, I wanted to tell her, I'm baptized in the Spirit. I agree with that. For one baptism, we've all been made to drink of one Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, I think 13, I'm trying to quote. And uh, there's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says right here, the doctrine of, of what? Verse number two, the doctrine of what? Baptisms. Now, Ephesians 4 talks about there's one baptism. But this is the doctrine of baptisms. John had a baptism. There's a baptism of water. I want to say, I've been baptized in the Spirit too when I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. Yes, we share that baptism. But I also was water baptized like Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, like the 3,000 at Pentecost. I was also, there's a water baptism. There's a spirit baptism. The water baptism pictures the spirit baptism. Don't have time for any more of that. But this doctrine, it's, it's milk stuff. You should get baptized. You should understand the baptism. There's a baptism of the Spirit of God. There's, there's, you should have repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Then there's the laying on of hands. Now the Jews very fast, I've got to do this fast. There's several times Jews laid hands on the, for a number of reasons. They laid, laid hands on, we saw the, the, 
the, the tabernacle. They laid hands on the, the goat, remember, to transfer their sin to another uh, being or another entity. And then, of course, we, we saw about the scapegoat and so forth, but uh, for transferring of sins. By the way, we can do that today here in this New Testament economy. We can come to an altar at the, at the house of God, and we can bow down on our knees, and we can give our altar. We can lay our sin at the altar. That's a, on the thing that's going by the wayside, but that's, that's simple that's milk of the word of God. That's something easily you can do. The doctrine of laying on of hands, uh, uh, laying on the hands of, uh, for officers in the, the house of God, for uh, the presbytery, the Bible says. Uh, and uh, we lay hands on our missionaries, on our, on our, on our called uh, uh, pastors and even deacons. And then there's laying on of hands of, uh, for the sick. And so there's laying on the hands. And then there's, uh, look at verse number two. I have to slow down of the doctrines of baptisms, verse 2, and of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead. The day is coming when everyone will hear his voice. The day is coming, the moment that you die, this is basic milk doctrine. You're in hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Rich man went straight to, the, the Lazarus went straight to, to uh, Abraham's bosom. Either when you die, this is milk of the word of God. You're either going immediately to heaven or immediately to hell. That's milk, believe it or not. That's just simple doctrine. That's true. And the resurrection of the dead and judgment. It is appointed to men once to die. But after this, a judgment. Now there's several more, and let me just finish the milk list real quickly. The doctrine of love. Oh, how churches love to hear. I love to preach on love. I love to talk about it. John loved to talk about it. The doctrine of love, that's some milk, uh, in dietary milk, co- or milk uh, column of, uh, of doctrines. The doctrine of heaven, who doesn't like to preach on heaven? Of uh, the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, and peace. Justification, many doctrines that are milk doctrines. But let's go to the meat list if we could, and there's no way I'm going to get through this here. But I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians 3 now. And 1 Corinthians, really, and we're just going to, highlight for the time that we have, 1 Corinthians, beginning in chapter 3, this is a treatise. This church at Corinth had been established for a number of years. They should have been a mature, established church. They were very affluent people, but they were, they were very immature. They were very mature when it comes to finances and to uh, um, things that they had, but they were very immature in spiritual uh, riches. They didn't have many of those. And Paul has to write two books of the New Testament, First and Second Corinthians, of course, I'm referring to, to straighten out these milk drinkers. They were milk drinkers and not meat eaters. And tonight, I know this is a Sunday night crowd. I know you came back because you love the Lord. I know you came back because you wanted to get some extra of the Word of God, and so you're to be commended for that. And most of you can handle strong meat of the word of God but even so there's some strong meat that's that's very strong and it's hard to handle and we just want to touch on I got a whole I got let's see well I'm not going to count them up I should have numbered them I have about 15 D's we'll see how far we can get here in the next few minutes here look at for first D in this, the meat list that is uh, the strong meat of understanding division Verse number three, it says, For ye are yet carnal, you're fleshly. 
Whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are you not yet carnal and walk as men? The Bible says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You know, we all should be peacemakers makers at the house of God. We all need to be peacemakers in our family. Who here has a perfect family? Let me get serious for a minute here. We all have flawed families. That's what we're going to look at in this 10, 12 weeks of special fall campaign. Me and my, not perfect family, but me and my real family. You learn to love your family regardless. You need to learn to love the, the family of God. There's always something going wrong in the house of God because we're a family. Some, somebody's messing up. Somebody's out of sorts. Somebody's the divisive, somebody's cantankerous, somebody didn't get enough sleep and they take it out on the brotherhood or they, they, they got a bad temper or they, it happens all over. And part of Christianity is learning how to deal with division. and Learn to be a peacemaker. That takes maturity. Anybody can find a problem. I'm a great problem finder and how many people can find a problem pretty easy? You're not raising your hand. Am I the only problem finder? Yes, you do. You find problems you easily. I don't want to pick up my wife. I see her. she's smiling right now, so let me get her when she's smiling. My wife is the problem identifier, Marty. The, the latest, you know, the, the washer machine is, is dripping. You know, it's a, oh, thank you for telling me. Okay. You can tell me in two seconds. It might take two hours to fix. It, it's, uh, you know, the, anybody can identify the problem, but it takes a lot of work to fix the problems. And, it take, and that's part of being mature and understanding, okay, uh, it's one thing to identify it, and anybody can find a fault, but let's fix it. Let's, let's see what we can do to mend it. Let's see what we can do to cure it, to heal it. Let's work at being uh, not, not abrasive, but uh, uh, unifying and building. I learned, and I'll just say it quickly, we'll move on here. Uh, my dad was a carpenter all of his, most of his adult life, and so when we went on the construction jobs as a kid, as a boy, the boys, you know, we got, the, back in those days, you had hammers. You didn't have nail guns and so forth, you know. And uh, we learned, we didn't do much construction. We got to do the destruction. And then we got to, you know, hopefully we got to clean up a little bit. But I learned that destruction is way easier than construction. It really, truly is. It's easier to tear apart something than to put something together again. Well, that's good preaching, don't you think so? Uh, thank you, thank you. I, I just really appreciate that. I'll tell you. <laughs> okay, so we, strong meat is saying, hey, we need to work at, at uh, quelling and work at mending the divisions. Chapter 4, I got one for every chapter all the way through 16. We'll see how we get. We got, I'm going to try to be done. I'll tell you, I'll tell you when I'm going to be done. I mean, but uh, we're going to be quick. We're going to be quick. Chapter 4, look at, look at this as Paul's dealing with this meat list, they were carnal, you see. They were fleshly, and they were milk drinkers, and they should have been meat eaters. And he says, okay, now you got a problem. You need to understand that you got divisions, and you need to learn how to heal these things. Then you need to learn, chapter 4, you need to learn how to deal with the man of God. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. I'm a caretaker. I'm a steward of the mystery of God. Uh, God's called me to be an under-shepherd. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found, and I've used this many times over the years, 
man be found flamboyant, flashy, funny? No, be found faithful. And um, I'd like to be, you know, I try, I try, I try hard to be funny. I try hard, but I fail miserably, of course, most of the time. I'm usually more funniest when I try not to be funny. And uh, when I try to be funny, I'm never funny. And uh, I, I will never be famous. I'll never be flashy. I'll never be flamboyant. Now, it's part of me, my flesh would like to have some of that going for me. I don't. But I can be faithful. And that's what God calls for servants to be faithful. Now, the whole chapter deals with this subject, and I don't want to put myself in the class with the Apostle Paul, but I'm just as a pastor and a shepherd, let me just say a couple things here. And there's something to seniority, and I will tell you that, that uh, I don't get, uh, I, I used to get challenged more in my earlier days of preaching, probably as a younger pastor, and maybe some of that was rightfully so. I was younger and so forth, and people don't challenge me as much as they, and when they do, I figure, most of the time, I figure I probably need, had it coming if they, they, you challenge me on something. Maybe uh, there's definitely a blind spot that I have and I need to correct it. And so I don't get too up, bent out of shape in regards to uh, getting, somebody critiqued me a few weeks ago, and I'm glad they did. They, they critiqued me in a good, positive way. They're not trying to hurt me. They're trying to help me, and I appreciate that. That's what a good coach does and people that love you try to do. And uh, notice verse number 11 and 12 real quickly here of... Uh, of, uh, or excuse me, verses 12 and 13 for time's sake. In labor, Paul talks about uh, dealing with the man of God. Uh, in labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it or we allow it. Uh, I have to be careful here, as I use that phrase a lot, but I, I have a lot of dear pastor friends. I'm now starting, I'm now to the point in my ministry where I'm one of the scary to think this, but I'm one of the older guys now. And so I deal with a lot of younger pastors. And let me let you in on a little secret. Pastors get discouraged. They're just like real people like you are too. And sometimes in our, our churches, are, we're having a hard time not just in New England, but I think it's probably all over America. These are difficult days. In the days of when the churches were, pardon the slang, blowing and going, they're kind of by the wayside and there's a new type of entertainment church that's taking the, the woods uh, by storm, so to speak. Uh, but here, churches, pastors get persecuted, they get critiqued, they get condemned. Verse 13, being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I saw the list of the 25 most despised uh, 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 off, or rather occupations. And preachers was right next to, pretty, pretty close to lawyers. I said, I, I don't want to be involved with lawyers, you know. And, uh, and preachers were right there as well. They used to be respected, but not anymore. Um, and I don't have to say this, but I always say, love, love your preachers. Love, your, love the men of God. Try to be an encouragement to them. That, that's, that's mature. That's on the meat list. Chapter 5, i got to hurry along here. So chapter 5, look at the Discipline. Here's something that's gone by the wayside, I'm afraid. And here's a chapter where there's, there's a terrible, there's fornication going on in the house of God. Well, I don't think we have this at the moment here that I know of. But it's not, it's real common when, when I was in, back in the 70s and 80s, when a couple moved in with, or one couple moved in with somebody that wasn't, they weren't married, 
we had slang for that. It was called shacking up. It was called, uh, I know we got a little, a little strong meat here, you know, sleeping together, you know, for tender ears. So. The Bible has names for that. Today it's common practice. Today it's accepted. And it's been that way for a lot of years now. And there's sexual immorality that was taking place in this chapter. Some of you know the context of the chapter, you strong mediators. But notice what it says in chapter 5, verse 5. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord, of our, of the Lord Jesus. Verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle, in a letter, Paul says, not to company with fornicators. Period. It's quiet, and I suppose rightfully so. But we need to understand that sin is still sin. We don't preach on this much anymore because it's so rampant we don't want to be offensive. But the Bible says that that the bed is honorable and the marriage is honorable in all things and the bed undefiled. You don't have to be a Greek scholar to figure out what that might mean. God has a purpose. God has a, a place for the intimacy of union between a man and a woman. It's within the bonds of marriage. God ordained that. It's the man that's perverted and made it, made it filthy. God ordained it. There's a, there's a beauty in there. But there's also a disgust, there's some abhorrence, there's an abomination outside of those bounds. God speaks about that. Well, let's hurry along here. Look at verse number, chapter number six, and we see, I see somewhat of an order. Chapter six, we see the, the, the next D, if you're keeping track, which there's the defiling of the body. First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, for time's sake, the last two verses. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? That's why I don't think that Christians ought to drink Budweiser. Amen, Pastor Shot. That was good preaching. That was real good preaching. Jack Daniels. A little bit of Chablis or wine there. You know, just a little wine. That's nicer than, than, than hard liquor, right? That's what they tell us. It's more acceptable society. But don't defile your temple. It's the Holy, it belongs to the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You know, just, just for a moment here, I saw Tony Balava, Pastor Tony called me two, twice this week, and we've been playing telephone tag. I haven't talked to him. We've been texting back, or, uh, voice messages back and forth. But they were just out in California. Uh, uh, I can't think of the name of the, the Marine Corps. Uh, where Camp Pendleton. Caleb just graduated from Camp Pendleton. Now, Caleb had his dress blues on, and I saw a picture of him, and of course, he's always kind of tan and dark-skinned anyhow to begin with. And all those Marines, when they're in their dress blues, they're all head-shaving, they all look the same. Every one of them looked the same. But they molded. Uh, they took the, personality, the individuality out of Caleb, or Caleb Balava, and they, they molded him into a Marine. One unit, one man, all, all thinking together. He doesn't belong to himself any longer. He belongs to the U.S. Marine Corps. When you get saved, you don't belong to yourself. This is good preaching again, by the way. 
For we are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So God says, you want to grow up? Don't defile your body. Man, I feel like preaching right there. God gave you one body. Don't mess it up. Don't, don't intoxicate it. Don't defile it. It's God's body. It's not your body. You don't get to make your own rules. Well, I'm in the grace. I can do what I want. No, you can't. Your body's the temple of the Spirit of God. That's strong meat. You say, I don't like that. I know, because you like milk. And you didn't like meat. No, chapter 7 deals with the subject, among other things, the subject of divorce. I know that's, that's always a delicate subject in all of our churches today. In verses 10 and 11, I have for our two verses for just sake, time's sake. And unto the married I command that ye, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. I like to put a period there, but there's a colon. But and if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. That's God's perfect will. That man and woman stay together. What God has joined together, let now man put asunder. We've just violated that over and over and over again in our America. And we say, well, we're under grace, irreconcilable differences. And I'm not trying, to, listen, I know who I'm talking to this, this evening. I'm not trying to hurt you. I got relatives, you got relatives. Some of you have gone through it yourself, I understand. But abide in the calling that you are now in. If you can't be reconciled, abide in that calling. Then I got to get off that. It's too strong meat right now. So let's move forward. But it is in the Bible. It's a whole long chapter, 1 Corinthians 7. Chapter 8, let's go to that, and then we get out of the fire here and get back to. Chapter 8, we see the, the chapter on doubtful things. We end with verse 13. This is strong meat. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no meat while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Before the service, I mean, it's, okay, I've changed. I, I, I told Brother Ray, I said, Ray, what do you think? Should I wear a tie tonight? I got my tie in the back there. And I thought, you know, I don't think anybody's going to care if I don't wear a tie. Brother Paul, you're all dressed. No. <laughs> I'm teasing you. I'm just busting on you. Just having a little bit of fun. But uh, there's the, uh, if I would be offensive to anybody, I would gladly go on and put on a tie and a suit because I think pastors ought to be a cut above. I think that we're more is expected of us. Uh, by the way, and let me just meddle here. While I'm looking at that clock. When you work at, take your favorite fast food restaurant, Chick-fil-A, thank you very much. Amen. Wendy's, well, okay. McDonald's. <laughs> wow, now we're really lowering the bar. <laughs> but did you notice they have uniforms? That's interesting. There's a reason why they do. Well, I could launch here. I just said, just, just, just a strong meat night tonight. I think Sunday school teachers ought to be a cut above their sheep. Oh, that's legalistic. No, that's setting a standard. That's setting an example. I think as a pastor I, that I lead the way in a number of different things. That's setting an example. And don't you agree with that? Amen. Yes, you do. It's now 559. 
I have eight more points. Here they are. Chapter 9, there's denial of self. Chapter 10, there's drinking of the devil's cup. Chapter 11, there's distinguishing between male and female. Chapter 12, there's the distribution of spiritual gifts. Chapter 13, there's the duty of charity. Chapter 14, there's the disorder in the church. Chapter 15, there's declaration of the order of the resurrection. Chapter 16, I got a D going. Distribution to, to the duty, uh, duty uh, to the whole duty of the house of God and giving to the work of God. And I have one, two, three, four points. It's six o'clock. I'm closing. The youth group has an activity night. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we've had a little bit of levity, a little bit of fun in the midst of talking about diets. Lord, I think everyone here overall likes the milk of the word of God. We love to hear about love and heaven and salvation full and free in Christ. But Lord, if we're going to mature, we need to get some meat in us. We need to take some, have some maturity. We need to be able to handle the mature things of the word of God that we might be hearers, not just hearers of the word, but doers also, that we don't deceive our own selves. Lord, I pray you bless in our moments of reflection and invitation tonight. Lord, thank you for the youth group that's here, the young people that are here. Lord, bless their activity tonight. And Lord, bless our 25 and younger crowd. But Lord, help us, uh, older generation crowd, Lord, to continue to Set the example. Lord, be what we ought to be. Help us with brotherly love to help one another and mature one another, and we'll thank you for it. I pray you bless in our invitation time as we pray, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together and let's sing. Uh...